This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 161 of Brewers on Tap. I am Lane Grindle with you from Arizona as the Brewers getting set for a four-game series with the Arizona Diamondbacks over the weekend. The Diamondbacks have been playing good baseball. They are 49-47, and 47, two games above 500, a plus 72 run differential if you're into that sort of thing and the Diamondbacks find themselves right in the mix in the NL wildcard race. The Brewers sit at 50 and 47. If the season ended today, the crew would be in the playoffs. They are a half game up on the Cardinals for the second wildcard spot. The Nationals actually hold the first wildcard spot. They've been playing great baseball here recently. They are 50 and 44 on the year. In the NL Central, the crew Two and a half games back of the Chicago Cubs for the NL Central lead. The Cubs sit at 52-44. and 44. And, of course, as we told you, half game up on the Cardinals. The Cardinals are three games back of the Cubs in the NL Central. Then you have the Pirates and the Reds. Pirates six and a half games back of the Cubs. And the Reds seven and a half games back of Chicago. So there is a lot left to figure out in terms of the NL Central and the National League wildcard picture. How about this? We've talked a lot about the NL Central, how bunched up it is, and how every team's still in it at the All-Star break. That's been a big conversation. How about the wildcard conversation? Okay, let's just real quick take just a 30,000-foot view of the National League playoff picture. Okay, the Cubs lead the Central by two and a half games. The Dodgers lead the NL West by a healthy margin. And Atlanta leaves the leads the NL East by a fairly healthy margin as well. They uh, lead the Washington Nationals, and the Nationals, of course, lead the NL Wild Card. So um, the the Braves, who have been playing great baseball, they've won seven out of their last ten. Brewers able to take two or three from them over the weekend, which was a big big deal. But the Braves still have a six and a half game lead on the Nationals in the NL East. Okay, so those are your three division leaders. Then we told you the Wild Card teams. The Nationals, a game and a half up on the Brewers for the second place wildcard spot. Brewers, half game up on the Cardinals for that second wildcard spot. And then you have Arizona, Philadelphia, San Francisco, San Diego, Colorado, Pittsburgh, the Mets, the Reds, all within five games of the Brewers. So from the second wild card spot to every team not named Miami, five games separate them. It's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks because not only do you have a bunch of teams that are maybe somewhat still in it, 
those teams got to figure out if they're going to sell or not. And I think a lot of them are still going to sell, but it's going to be a case-by-case situation for a lot of these teams and on a lot of these contracts and a lot of these players that they might potentially move. The other side of it is teams have to figure out if they're going to buy. And so the next couple of weeks are going to be huge in determining the NL playoff race over the next two months. Really fascinating stuff and certainly interesting. Brewers 3-3 uh, three and three coming out of the All-Star break uh, right now after dropping 2-3 or three to the Red Hot Giants. We were just talking about the Giants. The Giants find themselves just two and a half games out of a playoff spot right now. Uh, the Giants are playing really good baseball. So they drop two out of three to the Giants. They take two or three from the Braves, which is a big deal for the crew, and now they get ready for this series in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. We're going to jump into some different things today. We are going to talk to Trent Grisham in our checking in on the farm. He is having a monster year in the minor leagues, having a huge couple of weeks since he's been promoted to AAA. We're going to talk to him about what has changed and how he's been able to elevate his game to the level he's at. We're also going to talk to Brewers assistant general manager Matt Arnold, specifically about the international signings. Of course, it's a busy time in the middle of the summer. You have the draft in June. Then you have the international signing date that opens up in July. And then, of course, you have the trade deadline. So Matt Arnold burning the midnight oil a little bit right now, but he was nice enough to give us some time to talk. Specifically, we're going to talk about those international signings. That should be interesting and fun to hear from him on that as well. And um, also, we're going to do some Sabermetrics 101. That Brave series, Keston Hero, was out of control. Uh, This kid is uh, flat out a natural hitter. I think everybody can understand that. And we're going to dive into some of the numbers with Keston Hero in Sabermetrics 101. And we're going to look just quickly at the resurgence of Jesus Aguilar, which should not be overlooked either. All of that and more coming up here on episode number 161 of Brewers on Tap. Let's begin, though, by sitting down with Brewers assistant GM, Matt Arnold. Let's break it down. Matt Arnold is our guest here on Brewers on Tap. It is always a busy time of year for you. Really busy, though, when you get through the draft and then you get through the international signings in early July. And then, of course, you're getting ready for the trade deadline. It all just kind of lines up bang, bang, bang. Um, Probably some nights where you don't get as much sleep as you'd like. A lot of travel as well. But this is also why you do this. This is kind of the fun time, too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we've we've had a, a lot of fun. I think you go from the draft right into July 2nd and then... Here we go into the trade deadline, so there's always something that keeps us busy, which is a lot of fun. When you look at the international uh, efforts that the Brewers have made, I mean, I, that that looks like one of the areas where, since you and David came in and you've kind of been one of the guys really spearheading that, you've put a lot of effort into the international, uh, the international avenue, if you will, uh, in terms of pumping more and more talent into the Brewers organization. How pleased are you with the the way that has gone over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think our, our team deserves a ton of credit. I think we've, we've had the resources from from Mark and David. I think the support from them is outstanding. And then really the, the people on the ground, I think, deserve a ton of credit. They, you know, they, they're, they're usually working nonstop. And, and you know, the, the difference between the draft and, and internationally is that you can sign you know, potentially guys, you know, through, throughout, you know, and so it's, there's always, there's always activity, I think, in that space. And so for our guys to stay on top of that market, stay focused, um, you know, with the resources that we have, I think guys like Mike Grubman have really impacted this franchise in a very positive way. And I think the guys on the ground, you know, internationally across the globe that we have are still doing a tremendous job as well. I mean, you look at the draft and then you look at international signings and, and both are trying to do the same thing, pump talent, 
into the organization, kind of backfill, if you will. But they're also completely different. I mean, the process is completely different. You just touched on it. And you're projecting with both, but it's a real long-term projection in a lot of cases from the international standpoint. So how challenging can that be and how important is the developmental part? You're, you're exactly right. I, th I think one of the big things that we, we run into is that, that length of projection. And, and, you know, a lot of it, we, we obviously focus on tools and talent and skills, I think is important. But we also want to get to know these kids and get to know their families and get to know where they're from and, and really do a lot of work on them as people. And so our guys, again, deserve a ton of credit for getting into those houses, visiting with those families, making sure we get to know, you know, the level of education associated with each of these guys in, in a very tough environment. So I think our guys deserve a lot of credit for that, and that's a huge part of our evaluation process. You had a couple of your international signings um, here um, at Miller Park. Uh, one was Hedbert Perez, and then the other one, Luis Medina. And these are two of the higher-profile international signings in all of Major League Baseball this year. You have to be really thrilled to have them and their families in the fold and they put on a show taking a little batting practice before the game yeah it was it was wonderful to be out there and just a just a cool experience i think for our whole our whole organization honestly and them and their families i mean what a what a neat opportunity for them to come up here to miller park both guys hit some balls in the seats which was fun to watch i mean just just a lot of work you know for a number of years kind of coming together on that day and just to see them you know super excited and having them shagging balls in the outfield with with some big leaguers like Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, you know, before a game. I mean, just so exciting to see them being a part of that and, and walking around our clubhouse a little bit and getting to know some of our guys, some of our staff. And so just a, a tremendous day, you know, and everyone's really proud of them so far. And they have a long way to go, but we're really excited about their future. And they weren't the only two. A bunch of other names added into the mix. Who were some of the guys that stood out to you? And what did you like about some of the different tools that you were able to acquire from some of these names? Sure, yeah. I, I mean, one of the guys, I mean, there, there were several, I would say. One of the guys beyond uh, Luis Medina and, and Hedbert Perez, I think, that really stands out to us is Jefferson Caro. He's a, he's a, a catcher uh, from Venezuela. He's a tr tremendously talented player. He can catch and throw. Um, very strong kid, very tough kid. Um, came from a really uh, tough background, but he's a, a, a really good, good person. Uh, we had him in workouts where it was, you know, 110 degrees outside, and we tried to take him out of games, and he wanted no part of coming out of those games. And so just really interesting to see his tools kind of come together. He's hitting games for us so far. So it's exciting to see him, you know, come into the fold. And, you know, we have a lot of guys, I think, on the horizon that we're really excited about. Jefferson would be one of those. You're also starting to see, I mean, as we talked about, this effort goes back a few years now. And now you're starting to see some of those guys that you signed at 16, 17, 18 years of age make their way over to the states and they're getting into affiliated ball and even in some cases on a full season affiliated ball and a lot of guys in the pioneer league how satisfying is it to see these guys keep taking those next steps it's a ton of fun and it's a lot of fun i think every day our entire staff is checking the box scores making sure how they're doing you know reading the medical reports making sure they're okay you know these these are like our kids you know in a lot of ways and we, we really want to follow them and make sure they're they're good all the way through, and so it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun to follow those guys for sure. I want to talk a little bit about the minor leagues with you because there's a lot of positive stuff happening, happening right now down on the farm. Um, clearly, Trent Grisham is just having a, a monster season, and uh, it's a great lesson, I think. It, when you hear people talk about prospect fatigue, this was a first-round pick in 15, and he had some disappointing seasons, but he's 22 years old, and he's in AAA, and he's killing the baseball right now. I mean... Um, just because you have one or two down years on your journey 
doesn't mean that it can't still turn around and you can't become the guy that you were projected to be. And it looks like he's really starting to do that. Yeah, it's it's been it's been incredible to see his progress this year. I think Kenny Graham deserves a ton of credit for the work that he's put in there, and 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 really Trent does as well. I mean, he he's really you know taken his game to the next level. I think both offensively and defensively, and now you're starting to see his his hard work translate into results on the field. And you know, this is a guy that's starting to hit balls to all fields out. You know, in in a very tough hitters environment. I think even in San Antonio, and and he was doing it earlier in the season in Biloxi, and just. Watching him blossom here has been really, really cool to see. When it comes to picking a Brewers minor league pitcher of the year, uh, Trey Shupak's certainly going to have a claim, but there's, it's going to be a tough decision. You have a lot of arms performing at different levels, whether it be Aaron Ashby and Noah Valas at high A, whether it be Shupak, Alec Bettinger has been great in double A, and of course you have a handful of arms in triple A as well that have really produced for you. Um, this is this is fun to watch all of these arms um, all clearly performing at a high level but Shupak has not only performed well he's shown the ability to really eat innings uh, in double-a Biloxi the, over the course of this year yes uh, I, I actually just saw his his uh, his start not this last one but the one before and and really just great execution for him I would say it was just location mixing pitches ability to add and subtract in the zone um, you know, evacuate the zone when he needed to with the, with his stuff. You know, really good feel, and he's a you know he's a big guy, but he's actually a really good athlete too. And just watching him actually, he swung the bat okay as well. So it was just just a fun outing to see him pitch and and perform. And so he you know that kind of guy continuing to step forward. And like you said, we've seen a lot of good progress from a number of our guys this year, which has been great. Another name that I didn't mention, and it's a great story, is Devin Williams and the way he's bounced back from Tommy John surgery and. Early in the year, command looked like, you know, which is natural when you're coming back from Tommy John surgery. It looked like maybe a few walks here and there, but the stuff was good enough to get guys out. But it looks like the walks have come down now, and he's gotten more and more comfortable. Yeah, Devin, Devin was, uh, was outstanding, I think, and has continued to progress, just like you said. And, and what's, what was really a, a neat honor for him to, to represent us in the Futures game and, and for him to be that, that kind of guy for us in our organization, like you said, with a lot of really interesting arms. Uh, is a is a real uh, credit to him and, and what has been, he's been able to accomplish since he's since he's come back from injury. All right, uh, trade deadlines on the horizon. You're going to get a million questions about this over the next couple of weeks. As is David. This 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 will be interesting, right? I mean, it's always interesting. How often, as you go through these next couple of weeks, does like the ultimate curveball get thrown at you? Where you, I mean, something you go to bed on July 15th not thinking about, and then you wake up on July 29th and it's on the forefront of your mind. I have to imagine that happens a lot more than people realize. There's always the the market is is really fluid, and you're exactly right. I mean, there's always something that I, I think is coming up. I think it's important for us to just make sure that we're prepared, you know, in in a lot of these different uh, opportunities. And so, just in case something comes up, we'll make sure we do some homework on it. But uh, we'll try to always be prepared when we can, but you, you can never be for sure, you know, for sure exactly what, what's going to happen. But as, as long as we are putting in the work, I think on the front end, I think we'll be in good shape on July 31st. Matt, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. You got it, Lane. Thank you. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. As we look at Sabermetrics 101, I wanted to look at Keston Hira and some of his numbers so far this year because uh, I think everybody's noticed how he has performed so far. He has been outstanding, and there's reason to be very excited about his future in a Brewers uniform. He's going to be in a Brewers uniform for a long time, and the Brewers kind of have middle infield that you should be excited about with Orlando Arceus' potential. 
And with him having a good bounce back here at the plate, and of course with Keston Hira doing some incredible stuff so far at the plate. So Hira, let's just let's dive into the numbers on Keston first. He's played in 33 games now as a big leaguer. Made his debut this year in May. So now he's played in 33 games as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers big league squad. He has a war of 1.0 in 33 games. That's pretty good, in case you didn't know. That's decent. Here's his numbers. 323 average, 9 home runs, 19 driven in, 5 stolen bases. He has an OPS of 992. Uh, that's really good, in case you aren't familiar with OPS. Anything over 800 is pretty good. Anything over 900 is really good. Anything over 1,000 is elite. That's where Christian Yelich resides. That's where Mike Trout resides. So he has an OPS of 992, nearly 1,000. Really good numbers from Keston Hira. Uh, the last seven games for Keston Hira, 556 average. He's 15 of 27. Five doubles, a triple, three home runs, nine driven in. Okay. Now I want to compare him to some other current rookies that made their debuts this year. So there are other rookies out there that made their debuts previous to this year. They just still maintained rookie status. Guys like Christian Walker is an example of that. Uh, what I want to do is look at guys that made their debuts this year, and I want to look at their 33 games, their first 33 games in the big leagues. So let's start with the guy that's going to win NL Rookie of the Year unless something crazy happens, and that's Pete Alonso. He won the home run derby. He's out of his mind good. Pete Alonso, 289, 10 home runs, 27 driven in, and a 994 OPS in his first 33 games in the big leagues. I mean, those numbers very similar. A few more RBIs, but Hero wins the batting average part of it. Uh, one more home run than Keston. The OPS nearly identical. Um, and that's the guy that's going to win the NL Rookie of the Year and is by most considered a guy that's probably going to be a perennial all-star for years to come. Let's look at Austin Riley, a guy the Brewers saw over the weekend with the Braves. First 33 games for Austin Riley, 292 average, again, advantage Hira. 11 home runs, two home runs more than Keston Hira. 32 RBIs, few more RBIs than Keston Hira, and a 955 OPS advantage Keston Hira there. Numbers very similar, not a big difference between those two guys. Now let's also look at Fernando Tatis Jr., the Padres. 33 games for him, his first 33, a 308 average, 8 home runs, 17 driven in, and a 943 OPS. Advantage Keston Hira. But again, very similar numbers. I, you're splitting hairs with all these guys. There are some really good young players in the National League. It's fun, it's exciting, it's neat to see, but it's also cool that the Brewers have a guy that stacks up in every category with all of these guys, and in many categories he beats them. Pretty cool stuff. Now, let's go historical on it. The first 33 games for Ryan Braun. Let's look at that. Ryan Braun in 2007, his first 33 games, he hit 346, 13 doubles, two triples, seven home runs, and 25 driven in an OPS of uh, just north of 1,000, 1019. That is uh, really good, by the way. And I think we know that Ryan Braun went on to, to, to be a franchise player and an MVP in 2011. But uh, Kesson here is numbers stack up in many ways. 323 average, not quite the same as that 346 from Braun. Uh, the doubles certainly advantage Braun. Home runs advantage Hira. RBI similar and the OPS similar, just a little bit of an advantage for Ryan Braun. So um, it just gives you a little bit of perspective on Keston Hira and just how important um, and just 
significant the numbers are that he's put up in his first 33 games as a Brewer. Doesn't mean anything moving forward other than um, you should be excited because if he continues on this trend and on this path, Keston Hira is going to be everything that we think he should have been when he was drafted in 2017. The best bat in that draft, and it's proven that way so far. Okay, let's just uh, take one little small steer away from the Keston Hira numbers, and let's just dive into some of the numbers in Sabermetrics 101 on Jesus Aguilar. Aguilar, if you haven't noticed, has heated up. He has found himself again. He is looking like the Jesus Aguilar of the first half of 2018. So let's look at his last 32 games. Um, in his last 32 games, he's only started 13 times. So understand that a lot of this uh, has happened as a pinch hitter or a replacement halfway through the game because uh, you know a, a lefty came on and he pinch hit and stayed in the game at that point. But over his last 32 games, this goes back to June the 6th, he is 21 of 65. He has four doubles, four home runs, and 10 driven in. Um, Jesus Aguilar starting to drive the ball with more regularity. He is starting to barrel the ball with more regularity. And a lot of pitches that he was missing early in the year, he's getting now. And that's a big deal for the Brewers because Eric Thames has had a solid season. And now with Jesus Aguilar starting to heat up, now you got a really solid platoon all of a sudden at first base. And that conversation about where's the power from first base that was going on in the month of May, you can kind of put that away. The Brewers have a very solid platoon right now at first base with Jesus Aguilar and Eric Thames, and it's the reason you should be bullish on this lineup over the course of the second half because if you looked at this lineup, go through the positions. Where are the holes? You don't have one on right field with a potential MVP and the reigning MVP in Christian Yelich. Ryan Braun has been solid and healthy this year in left field. Lorenzo Cain is starting to swing it better in the second half, and of course we know the potential that Lorenzo Cain brings to the table both offensively and clearly defensively. At second base, you got a Keston here. We just jumped into the numbers on Keston here. Mike Moustak is having a big year at third base, and of course some at second base, but he looks like he's entrenched at third for right now with Keston here playing second base. Orlando Arcia has been better at shortstop, but primarily he's there because of what he gives you defensively. And he gives you a little pop offensively, and he's not striking out quite as much this year, and he's starting to draw some more walks this year. So that's all very positive stuff with Orlando Arcia. Yes, Monty Grandal was an all-star as your catcher. So you start looking at this lineup and you go, well, if they have first base figured out, there's reason to believe this offense could really get unlocked and put up some big numbers over the second half. Clearly, runners in scoring positions have been a struggle for this team over the last month, but that should even out. And I think this offense is going to take off, and that's when the Brewers could get hot and get on a run here in the second half. Okay, let's jump in and check out what's going on down on the farm. Checking in on the farm. All right, as we check in on the farm, let's just take a look at the records of the Brewers minor league affiliates. And we'll just begin in the Pioneer League with Rocky Mountain Vibes. They win on Wednesday by a score of 8-3 to at home over Great Falls. They're now 13-18 and on the season. Class A Wisconsin is 45-49 and uh, overall on the year. They went 6-1 to at home over South Bend on Wednesday. But Wisconsin uh, is having themselves a really good second half. They're now 14-11 and in the second half, which is encouraging. Um, they have played much better baseball here 
over the last month or so. David Fry hit a home run on Wednesday. He has 12 now. And Gabby Garcia uh, also having a really good season. He has 11 home runs. He hit his 11th on Wednesday for Wisconsin. Class A advanced Carolina. Uh, they fell at home to Myrtle Beach on Wednesday by a score of 5-2. to two. Mario Feliciano hit his 15th home run of the year. That leads the Carolina League. The Mudcats are 52 and 44 on the year. They are one game under 500 in the second half at 13 and 14. Then the Biloxi Shuckers. Biloxi, uh, of course, as you know, already won the first half of the Southern League. Uh, the Shuckers uh, sit at uh, 15 and 10 in the second half, and they are in first place in the Southern League South Division. They have become kind of a, a little bit of a dynasty in the Southern League over the last couple of years. Uh, on Tuesday, Trey Shupak, a complete game, seven innings, one hit, no earned runs. He's been absolutely outstanding. He nearly had another near no-hitter is essentially what he had. He's come really close twice this year to throwing a no-hitter. Uh, this occasion, he retired the first 12 batters he faced and came one out away from a no-hitter, and that was the second time this year that that has happened for Trey Shupak. That was a, a shortened game this time, a seven-inning game. The first one was a nine-inning game where um, he got eight and two-thirds into it with a no-hitter and then finally gave up the hit before he could get the final out. Trey Shupak, certainly a name to watch for the Brewers uh, on the mound. So the Shuckers uh, playing well, as you might expect, and so are the San Antonio Missions. They win again on Wednesday, 7-5. to They are 61-36 and on the year. They have won seven in a row. Trent Grisham is out of his mind right now at the plate. Uh, you go back to Tuesday, Trent Grisham showing that power again. Two for four, a home run. And RBI. Then you look at Wednesday, Trent Grisham, three for four, but he didn't hit a home run. <laughs> it's almost like a surprise when he does it now. Travis Shaw, by the way, doing some good things. He went one for four, drove in two more runs as well in Wednesday's game. So um, this is an exciting group of guys. Trent Grisham, by the way, didn't hit a home run, hit two doubles. He has four doubles now since he got to AAA. He's hitting 333 in AAA with an OPS north of 1,000 at 1.090 for Trent Grisham. Speaking of which, I had the chance to talk to Trent Grisham about what he's found in his game that's allowed him to go to this level. Trent Grisham is our guest on Brewers on Tap, and, and Trent, you've had uh, really an incredible season, beginning the year in AA, and, and now here you are in AAA, and you've kind of hit the ground running in San Antonio. How, how satisfying has it been for you to, to kind of put everything together finally this year? That's definitely fun, that's for sure. I mean, uh, I've been struggling for a few years and kind of trying to figure it all out, but uh, Having some results this year and putting a little bit of it together is fun and exciting, and it's been it's been a good few months. You've always shown good patience at the plate. I mean, even in seasons where maybe you didn't put up the overall numbers that you wanted to, your patience at the plate always kind of came through. Um, you've always drawn a lot of walks. Was that kind of a foundation? type of thing that you said, okay, I'm going to take this and build off of it moving forward with any kind of tweaks or any kind of things you worked on in the off season. Yes, sir, of course. I mean, uh, it was definitely a, a big part of my skill set, but it also was a hindrance for a while. 
caused me to be a little – I knew I was good at it, but it caused me to be a little too passive and not really take shots at pitches that I could probably do something with that I thought were off the plate. So um, I kind of went into this year with an aggressive mindset and then just trying to let my eyes tell me everything else, and it's been working out so far. It's easy, I think, when you're a first-round pick and maybe that first full professional season or second full professional season, maybe they don't go like the expectations, you know, would set out for for you. And yet, did you keep telling yourself, look, I'm only 19 years old. Look, I'm only 20 years old. There's a lot left for me to write. Yeah, it's hard to do that in the moment, but uh, you try to do that yourself. I mean, you got a lot of good people in your corner telling you, telling you, hey, you're still young, hey, you still have a lot of time to figure it out, but as a player and as a competitor, you really you really just want to figure it out right now, right now. But uh, I had a lot of good people in my corner telling me, uh, you're still young, you still have a lot of uh, potential, a lot of talent, I mean, just keep with the process and you'll eventually get there. What is your off-season schedule like? What, what kind of work do you put in and... How much time do you typically take off before you start getting back into that baseball mode before the season begins? Um, it's usually I usually take anywhere from about two weeks to a month, depending on um, depending on how my body feels, uh, relaxed, and then kind of amp it up, start to get back into workouts and um, do everything like that for the off season, and then uh, usually amp up hitting and baseball activities usually around um, mid to late December and then uh, into early January. You had a good spring training, and I think you caught a lot of people's eye in spring training with what you were able to do. I know it's always dangerous to get too caught up in spring training numbers and everything else that comes along with it, but at the same time, were you able to build some confidence with how you performed in spring and how you swung the bat? Because it sure looks like it carried over. Of course. I mean, that, that, you don't really look at the numbers that I, in spring because they're kind of, but um, definitely the confidence that comes with how it's felt in spring carried over. So it's a, it was easy to get off to a good start, having that confidence, knowing um, I was playing at a high level. When you got to San Antonio, you knew there was going to be another adjustment in store because it's a different level, and there's a lot of major league pitching that is in AAA. What's been the biggest difference that you've noticed so far? Um, really the clubhouse. I mean, there's a lot of older guys in, in the clubhouse and learning how to uh, be around those guys and contribute to a team that's already very successful and being around a bunch of older guys that have most of are either on the 40-man or played in the big leagues for a number of years. So just kind of uh, talking to them, being around them, pick their brains, and then kind of go from there and just play. You're 22, and now you're on the doorstep of – the major leagues has that kind of hit you yet that like okay i'm at the i'm as high as i can go the next step is is the big league debut well it's always it's always in the back of your mind as a player but it's not really on the forefront right now there's it's just kind of play every day until you get that chance and then just keep playing that san antonio team's really good team uh great record looks like it's headed for postseason play of course uh certainly has a good shot and you mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of guys in that clubhouse that have a lot of big league experience. Guys like Aaron Perez and Travis Shaw are there with you right now. How do you pick those guys' brains and kind of enjoy this moment of being on a really talented team with a lot of experienced guys? I really just root them on and have fun with them and 
play the game and watch how they go about their business and then uh, just keep going about my business the same way and kind of pick and learn and have fun all at the same time. Well, Trent, we appreciate it. Congratulations on what has been an amazing season so far. Uh, you've unlocked a lot of power as well, which is really cool. And uh, good luck. Finish it strong. Thanks, Lane. Appreciate it. And here are those numbers on Grisham this year. In San Antonio, he's now played in 23 games. He's hitting 333. He's hit nine home runs. He's driven in 18. And he's stolen five bases. Again, in just 23 games, he has an OPS north of 1,000 in AAA. Before that, he was in AA. He played 63 games with the Shuckers. He was hitting 254 with 13 home runs and 41 driven in. So for the year, he has 22 home runs. He's driven in 59. He's hitting 276 in 86 games between AA and AAA. Now let, let's compare that real quick to his previous seasons. In 2018, with the Biloxi Shuckers, he played in 107 games. He hit 233. He hit seven home runs. He drove in 31. And the year previous to that, in Carolina, high A, he hit 223. He hit eight home runs. He drove in 45. Now, he stole 37 bases that year, so you give him a little bit of credit for that. The year previous to that, in Class A, 2016, his first full season as a professional, he hit 231. He hit two home runs. He drove in 24. He has changed himself. He has developed, and he has realized the potential that Trent Grisham possessed when he was taken with the 15th pick in the first round of the 2015 draft. Here's what's on tap. Here's what's coming up for the Brewers. They have a homestand coming up when they get back from Arizona. It begins next Monday, the 22nd, and it runs through the following Sunday, the 28th. It's the Brewers and Reds, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. That is 710, 7-10, 1-10, Monday through Wednesday, respectively. It's a Miller High Life Monday, then a season seat holder appreciation day on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, that is Kids and Seniors Discount Day. Then an off day Thursday the 25th, and then games Friday the 26th, the 27th, and the 28th against the Cubs as they come to town. And that is 7-10, 6-10, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday night is student night. And, of course, on Sunday, kids run the bases, which is always exciting as well. That is presented by Aurora Healthcare. So it should be fun. Hope that everybody will come out for the big homestand on the horizon. Brewers right in the thick of things in the NL Central and in the National League. Thank you for joining us for episode number 161. We'll be back with you next week back home at Miller Park for episode number 162. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Lane Grindle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 